Tonight's scripture comes from Matthew chapter 6, verses 16 through 18. It is found on page 661 in our church Bibles. If you need a Bible and you don't have one, please just raise your hand and Alan will pass one out to you. When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face, so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen, and your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. The word of the Lord. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for this topic on prayer and, and fasting, uh, and that we can look through the scriptures and find different passages that help us understand this. So I pray that you would give us a good understanding of prayer and fasting this evening. Uh, we love you, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. Now, fasting is not something we talk about a whole bunch. Maybe you've never done it. Maybe you've tried. Uh, I tried fasting for the first time back when I worked for the Farm Credit Administration. So this is pre-Cornerstone, pre pre-Emanuel, pre-Seminary, back when I worked for the Farm Credit Administration in Virginia. And I tried it because uh, the pastor of the church I was going to preached a sermon from this passage on fasting. And he said something that I thought was really convicting, that really struck me. He said, this passage does not say, if you fast, but when you fast. It doesn't say, if you fast, like this is an optional thing for followers of Christ. It says, when you fast. In fact, Christ Jesus says it twice in these verses. Now, uh, if I were to take a survey and say, by show of hands... Who here has fasted? You don't have to actually raise your hand. I'm not going to make you do that. Uh, you know, would you say, oh, I've tried this? Or would you say, no, I, I haven't tried this? Well, up to that point, neither had I tried it. And so we're all in the same camp together. But I did try it that week, and God did some really neat things. I just wanted to share one of them. Uh, the first day I tried fasting, I was going down the stairs uh, at the Farm Credit Administration, kind of like this atrium area, and I was walking past a coworker, and I knew that her mom was sick. And I really think it was like a nudging of the Holy Spirit just because it came right out. I said, how's your mom? And uh, she turned to me, and like her face melted, and she started crying. Uh, I didn't really know her very well, uh, and she said that her mom was dying. Uh, and I just told her I was sorry, and I asked her, like, what is your mom's name? And she replied to me uh, with the name, and then she said, uh, well, she asked me to pray for her. And I was like, oh, okay. Uh, it was surprising to have someone uh, say that. And then she added, I'm spiritual, and I can tell you're spiritual too. You asked for my mother's name. I knew you'd pray for her. And so I told her I would, because she was right. That's why I asked her for the name so that I could pray for her. And that kind of opened up a, a conversation over the course of the next couple months. Her mom did die, uh, but I got opportunities to talk with her a little bit further about like church and, and things like that. And it was just a, a cool experience of seeing how like the Lord was just working kind of with fasting, the Holy Spirit, this person, and brought them all together. Because I do think that's what God does when we fast, he, he, 
he uses us, he works through us, and he, he likes to, to move in our weakness. Now today, as I'm talking about prayer and fasting, I have three goals. I want to define what fasting is, I want to show why it's important, and I want to give us uh, kind of an explanation of how to do it, so some guidelines for doing it. Uh, but my, I guess my big goal is that you would walk out of here and you would want to give fasting a try. You would want to give prayer and fasting a try that maybe if you've never tried it and that's okay, tonight you'd say, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to choose a time and I'm going to do that. And we're going to have an opportunity to do that together as a church. Now I shared my opening story as, as an example to perhaps intrigue you. Because right, that's my story, but God is writing your story. And maybe if you spend some time in prayer and fasting, God is going to do something special through you. What might he do through you? What might he do through prayer and fasting? And then what surprises might he have in store for us as a church family, as the body of Christ, if, if we were together to come and, and spend uh, time in prayer and fasting? So let's jump in. My first uh, kind of uh, goal, right, is to talk about what fasting is. So what is fasting? Well, fasting is when you deny yourself good things, things you enjoy and go to for comfort for a period of time so that you can use that hunger to intentionally draw near to God. This is a definition I've made up. We're going to see that there's even more to it than this, but this is kind of a good starting point. And there's a variety of ways to fast, because maybe you're thinking fasting means like I can't eat food, I can't eat water, like I'm not going to last very long because I'm going to dehydrate and die. Well, I have good news for you, because the first type of fast I want to talk about is just water fast. Uh, a water fast is when you drink just water, and you give up food, uh, desserts, everything uh, for a period of one meal, well, maybe even less than that, like a snack. You give up a snack, you give up meals, you give up one, two, three meals, you give up meals for a period of days, maybe one day, two day, maybe a week, maybe two weeks, maybe three weeks, maybe 40 days. Uh, and these are kind of the options. Now, obviously, it gets harder the longer you go, and it can actually become more dangerous. So I'm not recommending anyone walk out of here and say, I'm going to do a water fast for 40 days. Days. Um, I watched two documentaries on Amazon Prime this week about fasting, and there's there's also a lot of health benefits uh, to fasting. You can check those out. Um, but they did raise the issue that if you not, like that fasting is not for everyone when it comes to food, because some of us have medical conditions that might prevent us from stopping food. And maybe your medical condition is you get hungry. Well, that is not a medical condition to, to prevent you uh, from fasting. But some of us might actually have something. And so talk to your doctor before you try fasting. Now, in the Bible, there are examples of people fasting for 40 years days. There's three examples. There's Moses, the Old Testament. Moses fasted twice for 40 days. And he's a, a, a pretty significant example because he fasted from food and drink. So he didn't drink water for 40 days. Now that's medically impossible unless God sustains you. So please don't go out and try that. Uh, the second was the prophet Elijah. Elijah had just run into a conflict with Jezebel. 
She was out to kill him, and he actually fasted for 40 days as he was running to Mount Horeb, which is Sinai, which is actually the same place that Moses fasted. And then there's one other person. Can anyone guess the final person? Jesus, that's right. This is like the youth's time, the youth uh, Bible study. It's always the answer. It's Jesus. Jesus fasted for 40 days in the wilderness at the beginning of his ministry. But that's it. Three people in all of the Bible. So that means, chances are, the Lord is not calling you to fast for 40 days. That means you can kind of think in your mind, what other ways could I fast or for how long? And I did want to kind of go through uh, these different options. There are lots of ways to be intentional about fasting and to really think through it. The second one is a juice fast. So uh, you could drink fruits and vegetables to keep your energy up uh, and not uh, eat food. So that's another way that people can last maybe a little bit longer, but they're still kind of getting some sugar. A variation of this is the Daniel fast. It's based on uh, Daniel's kind of diet where they only ate fruits and vegetables and water. They didn't have blenders in ancient Babylon, uh, so they could not make uh, juices. Uh, uh, But... You could try that option. Another option is foods fast. You give up certain types of foods for your fast, like sugary foods or comfort foods that you go to when you're stressed. Uh, Maybe you could give up fruits and vegetables and only eat meat. I guess that's an option for a fast. Uh, But a point of clarification, fasting is different than dieting. Uh, I don't want you to walk away from this sermon and say, wow, like I have like like a biblical mandate to go on that diet that I've really been trying to get on. Dieting is about losing weight and getting physically healthy. Maybe you need that. But fasting is about getting spiritually healthy. There's a different emphasis. It's about spiritually seeking God. See, food is good. God created food to be good. Uh, It's not something that we should reject. Obviously, use wisdom there in what you eat. But fasting is really about intentionally, keyword intentional seeking of God. Another way you could fast, maybe you say, you know what, for whatever reason, my schedule, I can't do a juice fast or a foods fast. Well, you could do a media fast. Maybe uh, food is not really much of an issue for you, but it would be a lot harder to give up your favorite television shows or Netflix or the news or Reddit or Facebook or Instagram or Snapchat or like one of those things. You can give up one of those for a period of days or, or time uh, to focus on God. And then uh, there's just, I put this other category, other fast. Uh, pretty much you could give up anything that you turn to when you're stressed or you turn to that you really enjoy to spend that time to experience that need to really focus on Christ Jesus and make sure that those things are not substituting, uh, becoming a substitute for God himself, right? Because there's a lot of pressures in our world. There's a lot of uh, things that come down upon us and we go to foods or, or media we go to the, all these other places besides God, don't we? That's just something naturally we do. And a fasting is a wonderful way to say, I really want to go to God instead of those things. I want to turn to God in my weakness instead of turning to these other options. Now, maybe some of you have done this 
you got like bundled up, right? So it's winter, it's cold out. Well, maybe you did this some other time. I don't know if any of you have done this. You got bundled up in like big jackets. So you got like your snow coat on and then you put as many layers on as you could. You got your, 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 your down jacket, it's, it's getting thick. And then you ask your brother to come up and just punch you as hard as he can in your stomach. Have any of you done that? Uh, no? Okay. Oh, I see one, Angela. Uh, right? You have all these layers on, and you can imagine that it's, you know, it might hurt a little bit, but it's going to be okay because you've got, you got all this protection on. Well, what fasting is like, it's like taking off all of those layers, and the punch is still going to come, and it's going to hurt. It's going to be a moment of extreme exposure and weakness and vulnerability. And in that moment, we can either like try to throw on the other layers real quick to protect ourselves, those things that comfort us, or we can just stand before God and say, God, I'm weak. I admit it. I need your strength. I need your protection. I need you to help me get through this. See, fasting has a powerful way of exposing our weakness and also even our sin, those things that come out of us that, that we usually hide with food, right? You're in an angry mood, so you eat something and then you feel better. But did you deal with your anger? Did you deal with the root cause of your sin? Fasting invites us to really deal with our sin, to get to the root cause, to deal with it with Christ Jesus himself. And so that's kind of a a brief intro to what is fasting, but I wanna talk a little bit about why we fast. Fasting is an intentional time of hungering and seeking for God. And when Jesus was being tempted in the wilderness, what did he say his food was? His food was God and his word, his Father's word. And so that's why we do this. That's why we intentionally seek God. We fast because we want to know God more. That's kind of the big picture of why we do it. But more specifically, here's several other kind of reasons, unpackings why. Well, we fast as an act of repentance and confession, that the the very act of fasting itself can become a time of confessing our sins and turning towards God. So we fast because of our sin, and we need to do something about that sin. Throughout the Old Testament, we find examples of Israel coming together to pray and fast because of their wrongdoings before God. In the book of Nehemiah, which takes place after the people have been returned back to Israel from exile, they've just read God's word and they're convicted by God's word. And then we we encounter this in Nehemiah chapter 9. On the 24th day of the same month, the Israelites gathered together fasting and wearing sackcloth as like a sign of mourning and putting dust on their heads. Those of Israelite descent had separated themselves from all foreigners. They stood in their places and confessed their sins and the sins of their ancestors. So fasting can be this private affair where I'm doing it by myself and I'm confessing my own sins before the Lord, but it can also be something that we do corporately, that we do together as a church, where we say, Lord, this is how we have sinned. I think that would be interesting to do. Lord, how can we be 
be, be repentant of our sins and receive forgiveness. The Bible assures us that if we come before Christ Jesus and repent of our sins, he forgives us. He promises to make us new again. Now, with fasting, we've got to be careful not to just like go through the motions, to say, okay, well, if I just skip a meal, like I'm good with God now. No, it, it can become just like any other kind of religious activity that we do, where we, we just kind of do the thing and we assume that the, the doing of it is what matters. God looks for the heart. Fasting is supposed to reflect kind of what's going on on the inside. God, God really wants a repentant heart to come along with the fast, to experience genuine remorse for our sins, for our wickedness. I don't know how often we really experience remorse for our own sins and like for our own wickedness, but that's what fasting is supposed to help produce in us as we feel that hunger, pain. We're supposed to say, God, my, my sin is just as painful. Prophet Joel says this, even now, declares the Lord, return to me with your heart, with all your heart, with fasting and weeping and mourning. Rend your heart, not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love, and he relents from sending calamity. We don't believe in a God who wants our religion. He wants our repentance. He wants our hearts. He wants what's going on on the inside. I don't know if you've ever, like, uh, had an experience where something just kind of made you sick and it made you unable to eat something and it wasn't, it wasn't, uh, uh, you know, it wasn't um, because you ate a bad food. It was because you learned something or you knew something or you were so uh, convicted by something. You were just like, I just can't, I can't take anything in right now. That's kind of what fasting is supposed to be like. I, I can't take anything in because I just got to deal with this one thing before God my sin, and I need to be forgiven and made new. The, the true hope is that we re-experience grace. We, we sang about mercy earlier tonight. Well, we experience mercy as followers of Christ. We fast as an act of repentance and confession. And then we fast for God's deliverance and direction. And the people of Judah uh, faced a foreign invasion they cried out to God for deliverance. They cried out to God for direction. Second Chronicles 20, 2 through 4 says this. Some people came and told Jehoshaphat, a vast army is coming against you from Edom. From the other side of the Dead Sea, it is already in Hazazon Tamar, that is, in Gedi. Alarmed, Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord, and he proclaimed a fast for all Judah. The people of Judah came together to seek help from the Lord. Indeed, they came from every town in Judah to seek him. So we hear the king here declaring a fast and all the people coming together to fast to seek the Lord's deliverance, to seek the Lord's direction because these armies are coming against them and they can't deliver themselves. They're at their wit's end. And sometimes that's where we need to be. We need to come to our wits end and say, God, would you deliver me? Would you deliver me from my sin, from my habit of sin that I keep turning to? I just can't seem to deliver myself. Or would you deliver me from this illness that I'm experiencing? Uh, would you deliver me from 
some of the problems I'm experiencing in my life, in my family, in my, my work. I can't deal with them. Would you come? Would you give me wisdom? Would you give us direction? And then we can do that as a church. Lord, would you give us as a church community deliverance from our troubles? Would you, would you give us direction for our future? The wonderful thing about Jehoshaphat and this story is that God does show up. God delivers them. This man prophesies that they're going to be okay, that God is going to deliver them, and that's exactly what God does. The, the armies, I think it's Moab and Edom, they, they turn on this, this kind of third army, Mount Seir, and they kill each other. They destroy each other, and they, they all die. Jehoshaphat and his people do nothing but go out and plunder. It takes them three days to like pick up all the, the plunder and all the goods from these three armies. Maybe there's something to prayer and fasting. I think a, a modern, just beautiful story that I ran into of how God worked through prayer and fasting in our lifetime, I, uh, Pastor John Piper shares in his book, A Hunger for God, and I just want to read it to you. So this is Pastor Piper. He says, My own serious consideration of fasting as a spiritual discipline began as a result of visiting Dr. Jun Gon Kim in Seoul, Korea. It is tr- is it true, I asked him, that you spent 40 days in fasting prior to the evangelism crusade in 1980? Yes, he responded, it is true. Dr. Kim was chairman of the crusade expected to bring a million people to Yoido Plaza, But six months before the meeting, the police informed them that they were revoking their permission for the crusade. Korea at that time was in political turmoil and Seoul was under martial law. The officers decided they could not take the risk of having so many people together in one place. So Dr. Kim and some associates went to a prayer mountain and there spent 40 days before God in prayer and fasting for the crusade. Then they returned and made their way to the police station. Oh, said the officer when he saw them, when he saw Dr. Kim, we have changed our mind and you can have your meeting. (laughs) Fasting works, that's the story. They were facing all these obstacles and they didn't know what to do. They didn't have direction, they didn't have deliverance. And then they went and they prayed and they fasted. And then God did an amazing thing. And out of this came an amazing crusade. Now, fasting doesn't entitle us to deliverance. Like, it's not an exchange. Lord, I skip this meal. You do this thing for me. But I do think God wants to work in our weakness. My strength is sufficient for you. It's not about how, how strong can I get. It's about how weak can I get and how strong could God get. We fast for God's deliverance and direction. The people didn't just fast for physical deliverance, though. Did they? They also fasted for spiritual deliverance. See, there was only one holy day. So there's all these festivals and holy days in the Old Testament. But there's only one day the entire year when the people were supposed to come together and fast. And that was the Day of Atonement. The Day of Atonement. Each year on this day, the priests made sacrifices for the sins of the people so that they could be cleansed from their sins throughout that year. 
And so this is a call, this is a reminder to us that we also need to be cleansed, don't, don't we? Maybe you have some shame or some guilt that you haven't dealt with. Well, on the day of atonement, the high priest, he would sacrifice a goat for the sins of the people. But a goat isn't enough, right? He had to do this year after year, fast after fast. Goats can't take away our sins. And that's why Jesus came. John 1 says, Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He's that spotless lamb. He made atonement for our sins. That means he paid the penalty for our sins so that we could be cleansed and so that we could be renewed. And this isn't something that needs to be done year after year. Like The cross, the one sacrifice that Jesus paid for us, pays it all. <laughs> Past, present, and future is completely clean through Jesus. And so this brings us to kind of the the third reason that we fast because we long for Christ. We long for Christ and for his return. Now, if the people in the Old Testament fasted a certain way, they fasted for repentance and deliverance, we can do those things too, but I actually believe we're called to do them differently. Why? Because we actually have received forgiveness Through Christ Jesus, we've received it in the present. We've also received spiritual deliverance from Christ Jesus. In fact, Jesus changes what fasting is about in Matthew chapter 9. He doesn't end the practice of fasting, but he fundamentally changes what it is about. Then John's disciples came and asked him, How is it that we and the Pharisees fast often, but your disciples do not fast? Jesus answered, How can the guests of the bridegroom mourn while he is with them? The time will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from them. Then they will fast. No one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment, for the patch will pull away from the garment, making the tear worse. It means Jesus is doing something new. (laughs) He's doing something new. They're fasting now. We're called to fast in the present-day followers of Christ, present-day Christians, because we're longing for the bridegroom to return. The bridegroom is not here physically. He is here through his Holy Spirit. That's just a taste, a taste of Christ Jesus' presence. He's going to come again. And so that's why we fast. We fast because we miss Jesus, (laughs) because we want to see Jesus. (laughs) We fast in protest that he's not here. (laughs) Come, Lord, quickly come. We get this feeling in our stomachs when we're hungry, right? There's this aching. And that expresses what's going on inside our souls, that we're aching for our king. We're aching for our savior. Jesus, would you come? Would you come soon? I learned throughout the course of my studies on fasting this week that emperor penguins fast for four months. That's between 100 and 115 days, all right? So humans shouldn't fast past 40 days, but they they fast between 100 and 115 days as they are watching over and caring for and incubating the eggs. It's the male penguins that do this. And if a male penguin can fast for 100 days for its young, we can fast for more than like a meal or a day for our king, 
who is the savior of the world. If penguins can do it, we can do it. We fast because we long for Christ and his return. And then some simple guidelines on fasting. Fast justly. So we just finished this sermon series, God of Justice, in the book of Micah. God does not want our acts of religious piety without loving our neighbor and showing compassion for the poor and needy. Isaiah chapter 58 talks about the people. They're being very religious. They're fasting. They're putting on sackcloth and ashes, but then they're exploiting their workers. They're quarreling. They're fighting, and they're oppressing the poor, and God is absolutely disgusted by it. And so when we fast, we're called to live lives of justice and compassion. James says, pure religion takes care of the poor and the widows. God wants us to love him through fasting, but he also wants us to be mindful and loving to our neighbors. I learned this week that uh, the Mormons, at least some of them, uh, take the money that they save from fasting and they give it to the poor. I don't believe Mormons are actually Christians. I don't think they have the whole truth. But I think they got that aspect right. I think they have this part about, okay, I'm going to take this money, I'm going to give it to the poor. Fast justly. How about the second guideline, fast humbly. The passage that we read tonight uh, to open up our sermon, uh, it, Jesus talks about like not disfiguring your faces, not like making a scene, putting ointment on your, your head. Like When you try this, don't like go around and moan and say, I am so hungry. <laughs> We're not supposed to do that. It's supposed to be a secret between us and God. And I, obviously, if we're doing it as a church, we're not all going to know how each other is fasting, but, but we can still kind of keep it a secret. Now, this doesn't mean that no one can ever find out that you're fasting, that if someone asks you, like, are you fasting, and then you have to, like, run away. No, that's not what has to happen. I read one story of a man who fasted. He did a 40-day juice fast, and he lost 30 pounds. And people were like, are you okay? <laughs> and he was like, yes, I'm fasting. I'm praying. There's nothing wrong with that. It's just we're not to do fasting so that others see our spirituality and how mature we are and how good we are. Now we're to, to, to be humble. And the final one is to fast purposefully. Fast purposefully. This is a closing point. I want to read one passage uh, from Acts chapter 13 that really, it shows, this is Piper's point, it shows what God can do through fasting. Acts chapter 13, verses 2 through 3. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and they sent them off. Right here is probably one of the most important moments in the missionary movement. Right here is when Paul, Paul, Saul, began his ministry. Right here is when he began to go on those three missionary journeys throughout the ancient 
Mediterranean world and plant church after church and preach the gospel to the Gentiles, to the non-Jews, and then it began to spread like wildfire. Right here is that moment that it started. Like, my salvation, your salvation, <laughs> is, 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 is down the line because of this moment. Because they spent time praying and fasting and seeking God. What might God do through Cornerstone? What might God do through our church? What, might, what movement of the Holy Spirit, what world-shaking, westward-changing power might we experience if we spend time together as a church praying and fasting and seeking God's direction and will for us as a church? Something incredible could happen. For some reason, God uses praying and fasting. The outreach team and myself are preparing a a 40 days of prayer and fasting guide that I'm going to email out sometime this week. And we're going to call everyone in this church to spend 40 days praying and fasting leading up to Easter. Now, some of you know about Lent and that season. I think that starts on Wednesday. Uh, We're not quite lining up with Lent. Lent's a great season to pray and fast and I'd ask you to do that next year because I hope that we'll do it together as a church uh, starting, I think it's going to start on the 12th, uh, a week from Tuesday. But I will email out that guide sometime this week and would you look through it, pray about what the Lord might be calling you to fast and pray about. And uh, we'll have some guidelines and some ideas in there. But I really am asking you to, as your pastor, to commit to praying and fasting for the duration. And obviously don't give up food for all that time, but maybe you give up one meal a week or one, one day a week or a meal a day. Uh, there's a variety of different options. So let's seek Christ together as a church through fasting. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for this call to fast. Pray that we would do it as a church and that we would sense your direction and power, that you would do something incredible that you would move us exactly where you want us to be and that we would really sense your will. That we want to experience you. We want to know you. We don't want to just go through like the religious motions. We want to sense your presence. I want to sense your presence. And so, Lord, as we as a church pray about what to fast, would you give us that? And then would we experience your presence in a really special and significant way? A year from now, two years from now, years from now, would would we be able to look back at this time of prayer and fasting leading up to Easter and say, wow, God really did something in the life of Cornerstone during that time. He really turned our church exactly where he wanted us to go. Would you do that, Father? In Jesus' name, amen.